Welcome back to the Mountains in the Sea, where we find the highs and lows of each and every Prince album every other week. I'm Christy. And this is Josh. And we're so glad that you're back with us today. Today, we are talking about Madhouse, the first album, Madhouse 8. That's correct. Yeah. That aligns with what I've got here. Yes. Oh, okay, I good. I confirm s- that. Yep. So glad we prepared for the yeah, same episode that would have been today. A catastrophe. <laughs> well, it would have been interesting. That's for sure. Madhouse was an outlet for a jazz rock fusion that Prince created with Eric Leeds. Correct. Eric performed the saxophone and flute. Prince was on all other instruments, drums, bass, keyboards, for all the album tracks in live settings, which was primarily around the Sign of the Times tour. Right. Opening small clubs, things like that. Prince didn't perform with the band at all. The live band included Eric on the aforementioned sax and flute. Ooh, aforementioned. Oh, (laughs) I pulled out my 50 cent word. Uh, Dr. Fink on keyboards, Levi Caesar Jr. on bass, and Dale Anderson on drums. Right. Interesting, because Dale Anderson had auditioned for Prince before and was not in the band, but was brought in to play with Madhouse. Oh, so he must have been... Good enough for something. Oh, well, Sheila E. was pretty. That's right. (laughs) Yep. Prettier than Dale, and I don't even know what Dale looks like. Yeah. So, (laughs) it's the first instrumental album release by Prince under any name. Right. And he hid it, or tried to hide it. The album's credits say that it was recorded at Madhouse Studios in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm To go along with the story that this was an Eric Leeds project recorded with his previous band, but it was really recorded over the course of like four days in September through the beginning of October 1986 at Prince's home studio. Yep, and uh, the band had a fictional leader. Right. Austria Chanel, a keyboardist sound, from Atlanta. It does sound made up. <laughs> it sounds so made up. Yeah. <laughs> there were other band members credited of which eric leeds is only the only non-fictional person right the rest were bill lewis on bass john lewis on drums and they were both credited with prince's work right on the album so prince did the work of three people of course he did Uh uh-huh and he actually did Uh uh-huh I also read that the those names, what were they again? John Lewis and... Bill Lewis. Was there something Nelson? Uh, I no? think John Lewis was a tribute to his dad. Yes. It's his first and middle name. Yeah, John Lewis Nelson. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. And so, he was a jazz musician. Yes. So a little... Uh, kind of neat. Yeah. Eric Leeds shared a story on in Jazz Times Magazine, and I'll share that link on our social media uh, let me tell you where you can find it. It's on Facebook, the Mountains and the Sea of Prince podcast. You can find us on Twitter at TMATS, T-M-A-T-S podcast. Or you can send us an email, podcast at gmail.com. And I can shoot you a link to that if you don't want to go on the socials and find it there. I'd be happy to send it to you. But he uh, told a story of how Prince kind of tricked him into learning some of these songs. Prince I have not and, read that. Oh, Prince invited him in. If I email you, will you send me that link? <laughs> what is the email address again? <laughs> Tmatspodcast at gmail.com. Right, 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 right. Okay. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> that uh, 
Prince invited him to come jam and play. Uh huh. And Eric initially thought they were just uh, jamming and making stuff together. And Eric's writing down chords and different things, notes for himself. Man, this is good. Prince had already written it all. And this was how he taught Eric Leeds the songs. Was he kind of made him think that they were making it up together. Wow. Yeah. Did not realize that. Yeah. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, cool and ouch. I just wonder why. Why I wouldn't know. you just say, I have these songs? Because that's, that's how Eric Leeds was involved on everything up to this point. They were all Prince's songs. So it's not like he was averse to that. Oh, well, maybe he just wanted to see if Eric was going to come up with something better before yeah. he said, I've got these songs. And mm. then was like, nope, I'm just going to teach him these things because he seems into them. That'd be my guess. What a trickster. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so obviously this is an instrumental album. As you probably already know, if you're listening to this podcast and in our podcast history, we have yet to cover an instrumental album and we are not music scholars. Nope. So this will be fun. We're just going to do our best. We are. And I probably should have shared this with Christy, but we uh, have sort of a rule that we don't discuss the music we're covering before we record this podcast. So what you hear on our show is our first exchange with one another and the first time we've expressed our own opinions about the music we cover in each episode. But my first thought was, even though I'd heard this music for 34 years, you know, maybe I should do a little research on how to properly listen to jazz music. Oh. You know, revisiting oh, no. it. So first of all, did you know that March is Jazz Appreciation Month? Oh, no. We just came out of March. Yes, it's April 2021. It is April 2021. But uh, the Smithsonian Magazine website had a story that's from March 2015 on what to listen to and watch for when enjoying jazz. So some of this was uh, how to enjoy it live in person, but also what to listen for um, when you're just listening. It was written by John Edward Hass, H-A-S-S-E, a curator of American music at the Smithsonian National Museum of American History. He wrote a book named Discover Jazz with a co-author named Ted Lathrop. They offered these pointers for enjoying jazz. They offered many of them, but I wrote down my favorites. Here are the first two. Start by finding a song's original melody. Oh, okay. Oh, I never thought to. I mean, you sing along, and that's probably what you're singing along to, but um, here's how they describe it. At its core, jazz, like other music genres, relies on a constant melody to serve as a foundation for songs. A typical jazz performance starts off sticking close to the original composition, establishing establishing what jazz music musicians call the head, the main melody of a song or tune. Once the musicians play the melody, they'll improvise upon it and its underlying harmonies. Often the performance will conclude with a return to the main melody where it all began, making the performance a musical sandwich. Oh. Identifying the main melody and following its variations offers insight into the song's development. Very cool. The second one, which is shorter, follow the harmonies of the song. Jazz seems to be very free form, but each song has a consistent structure of harmony accompanying the melody as a secondary layer. I thought, very interesting, because if you'd asked me before to uh, define melody and harmony, Mm -hmm. I don't know that I could have done it accurately. And that was a good little lesson. Second point, how to listen to jazz was a story that I found on gearpatrol.com. 
Christy will share both of these links for you. Keeping an open mind and exploring different artistic possibilities. I thought this was relevant because um, jazz is admittedly not Christie's favorite type of music uh, by any stretch. So this is from July 5th, 2016, this link on Gear Patrol. It was written by Mark Juliana, a composer and a drummer. And he has played with many jazz musicians and, and also David Bowie, which I thought was kind of oh, interesting. cool. So his pointers, do this as quickly as I can, not to bore you, since you've already listened to this music and are ready to record now. <laughs> <laughs> he says, listen to the details on a studio album. Quote, the studio recording allows you to hear greater detail, and I think as a listener, especially as a new listener, that's a big bonus to really be able to say, oh, wow, I can hear exactly what the piano player is playing underneath that sax solo. That's really helpful to me. And his other point, listen to different versions of the same song. Oh. I thought this was really interesting. He said, one thing that I love, one thing that I try to seek out intentionally is to find multiple versions of the same song. Not only are you listening more about this song as you're listening to different versions, but you're really learning a lot about the individuality and the personality of each musician and the way they are presenting it. I think one of the beauties of dealing with the standard repertoire is that, of course, the song is beautiful, but it's the interpretation that really gives it new life. So as a diehard Prince fan, that one hit me hard because we love different versions of Prince songs, but in our case, they're usually all recorded by one guy. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of fun to uh-huh. kind of lay the foundation of if you're trying to approach this as a, I don't really like instrumental albums, I'm not a big jazz fan, there's some things to kind of get you started and focus on. Yeah, I think it's interesting to look at different artists recording the same jazz song and how it relates to Prince, where we like hearing different versions of his songs that he, Prince himself, has recorded. Yeah. It's kind of like we get to watch him change as a person. So whereas different artists may uh, tackle the same jazz song different ways, Prince tackled his own songs in different ways. And that let us see how he changed and grown and chose to do things differently at different points in his career. Yeah, I think he fell victim, not victim, because it's just reality that the song you record to tape in mm-hmm. the studio is sort of seen as the definitive version. Yeah, it's Although canon. in his head, it's just, that's what I did that day. What I do in concert and what I might do later or re-record it, I might have you know ideas that will blossom in different ways. Mm-hmm. Which is a very jazzy kind of concept. Yeah. Oh, that's very interesting. Mm-hmm. Very cool. So the cover featured a a lovely pinup style photo, and the singer and model was Manisha Leitner. Yeah. Yeah. She was on the cover of both of those albums. She did a really great interview in 2019 with Michael Dean on the podcast on Prince over Uh on Podcast Juice. So if you're interested in hearing more about her, we're not going to Go over it here because she did a really excellent interview over there. So I would encourage you to go listen to that. Excellent. And I'll say, too, these are the Madhouse albums are probably, I think, the only Prince-driven albums that I do not have official copies of. Never was able to find them. Never oh. never could purchase them in a store or really? find them resale. No. Oh, I thought we had them. We do not. Huh. Sorry. Yeah. 
had to rely on friends to burn me copies. Uh Uh-huh. That was it. Sorry, Prince Estate. Would have bought them. Would have paid for them with Sign of the Time Super Deluxe Edition had you included them. We'll still pay for them if you release them. Have tried to buy them for 34 years. Why they're not on streaming services. No, they're not at all. I have no clue. It is completely, utterly stupid. (laughs) Yeah, that's super fair. All right, so shall we hop into this music? Yeah. Can we point out, too, the album name is the numeral eight, Uh but all the songs are spelled out numbers. One, O-N-E, is track one. So I don't know if that's purposeful or just sloppiness, you know? (laughs) It's hard Uh, to know, especially when Prince at this point was starting to embrace the using the numerical character Yeah, when it made sense yeah if he said one it was sometimes the number one four even f-o-r might be abbreviated the numeral character four yeah so it's kind of interesting that and i don't know if that was a way to differentiate between himself and this madhouse persona or if it was just thoughtless it's a weird thing anyway as we get into music i think My last point before we start talking about the actual music is I want to say this album is a crash course in Prince's drum, bass, and piano playing. I think even more so than Eric Leeds' sax and flute playing, although you could say Eric Leeds is kind of the centerpiece and the featured almost like lead vocalist, essentially, when you think of the saxophone and flute. But everything going on behind him, drum, bass, piano, some guitar, is all Prince. Yeah. it's a really fun thing to focus on. You know, obviously Eric is great, uh, an incredible saxophone player, incredible flute player, but you see all the things Prince is doing on here when you kind of see past the, uh-huh. what's in the to the fore, as yeah. they say, those music scholars, which are not us. <laughs> all right, one. One. O-N-E. Yep. Seven minutes and 18 seconds of one. Mm-hmm. I really felt like I was in a very cool, loungy bar. Oh, I'm like, glad that you thought it was cool and not someplace you'd rather not be. Yeah. I mean, I don't I don't love jazz. Mm-hmm. This has different elements that aren't just jazz. It's not the annoying... Oh, it was Angela in The Office who said, I don't get jazz. Just play the right notes. <laughs> Which is how I often feel about jazz, but okay. this didn't feel like it was a random assortment of notes. It felt more cohesive than that. Yeah. So maybe I just don't like bad jazz. Or you don't like the <laughs> improv jazz as much as you do. A little more structured. Yeah. 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 Um, so there's a drum roll intro. Yeah, very brief, and then, man, they're right into it. They are. The saxophone plays the melody right away. Oh, look at me. Uh, and there's <laughs> piano tinkling underneath. I'm going to use a Christy term for mm-hmm. piano tinkling. Yeah, it's fast and complicated. Mm-hmm. And interesting, but not overpowering. Right. Uh, 
There's a break like at the 38 second mark that's followed by a piano solo that lasts about a minute that, um, again, just remember it's one little, one little man playing all this. <laughs> yep. The part that sounded the most jazzy to me on this that you were talking about and what Angela was saying. <laughs> just play the right notes. Yeah, there's a almost purposeful off-key buildup around a minute and 26 seconds that, um, I don't know if it's flat or sharp or just slightly off-key. That sounds very improv and building to something else. Mm -hmm. I did like how the drums were kind of sparse, but they really added another nice, complicated, complex layer to the whole sound of the track. Yeah. Yeah, reminding me of, uh, oh gosh, what was the movie we watched together had the dude from the State Farm commercials, the bald guy, and he was abusive to the drummer. Oh. Uh, drum Whiplash. Roll? Whiplash. Yeah. Not drum roll, Whiplash. <laughs> Reminded me a little bit of that, the drum playing, you know, a little bit of uh, what we heard mm -hmm. in that movie, which yeah. I also did not like very much. Yeah, it was fine. Yeah. It was one of the, it's it's a mood. Yeah. You gotta be in the right one to enjoy it properly. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's some ghostly pads, synth pads at two minutes and 20 seconds that kind of rise in key and they're a little ominous mm -hmm. sounding. That was interesting. That yeah, and it was kind of in the background, and it was interesting without being overpowering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a rare appearance of a muted guitar solo on this album, like at 5 minutes and 12 seconds. Now, mm -hmm. it's not like an electric guitar. It's almost like a, uh, like an, a, a muted electric guitar solo, yeah. I would say. Good stuff. Mm -hmm. um, at six minutes and 13 seconds, there's a four note sax part. That starts kind of winding down the song, and there's sounds like improv live drums underneath the sax. Sounds very, I don't know, freeform to me. Yeah, I thought that kind of, I called them jabs. Uh -huh. Like that it kind of served as the finale. Yep. Of the track for yes. us. Yeah. And there's one last sax run of the melody at six minutes and 59 seconds before the song comes to an end. Cool. Then we have... Two, T-W-O. That's right. Five minutes and 29 seconds. Mm -hmm. Included on the 12-inch single of 10 from Madhouse 16. Oh, yes. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, well, I facts about this song. We're not going to talk about 10. Yep. But. Yeah. 
my advice on this one is turn the volume up at the beginning. Oh, yeah. I went and amplified it and Did you? audacity to hear some of the indistinguishable speaking. Yeah, sounds like band members talking. Uh-huh. You know, and I can make out, if you start out very young, uh-huh. and my theory behind it is, uh-huh. and blow in one end. <laughs> I heard, uh, what were you trying? There were times in the saxophone, something, uh-huh. there were times and something about a saxophone. Okay. Uh, a female voice says ballet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they're uh, talking about stuff. Yeah, it sounds like it. Music. I liked uh, blowing one end. It was kind of like the uh, Game of Thrones advice <laughs> to Arya. Poke <laughs> them with the stick them with the pointy oh end. Yeah. Do you know how to use it? Yeah, you stick them with the pointy end. Exactly. Yep. So this has got a very precision hit: piano, drums, guitar, sax, intro. Um, mid-tempo, I would call it. Not all too different from the pace of one. Mm-hmm. And those conversations continue under most of the entire song. So I, I identified the melody at a minute and three seconds to a minute and nine seconds. Minute and twice, 25 seconds, there's a squeaky little solo that I think is a synthesizer. It but it's sounds, so cute. It's like a little mouse singing along. It's. I thought it sounded like the teacher from Charlie Brown oh. moonlighting in a jazz club. Sure. I was like... Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. It was really, really cute. Yeah. Speaking of melody, someone says melody at 2 minutes and 37 seconds. And uh, I'll also point out that in Prince of All, they'd make no mention, even on the song page for two, of these conversations that they're unidentified people. Mm -hmm. So who knows who they are. Yep. You mentioned that these muted, indistinguishable speaking... Went on through the whole track. There's some glass clinking at like 2 minutes and 16 seconds. That really made it feel like a restaurant. Okay. that there are people there. What's that? A restaurant? Uh, Yeah, I know. There are people and they're enjoying one another's company. Oh my God. Why? (laughs) They're celebrating things in public. That sounds insane. To uh, me. Yeah, I know. Someday we might do it again, but it really made it feel like a live performance. Yeah. Made it feel like this is happening in a club right. or in a restaurant where there's it's swanky and they've got this great jazz band playing and uh-huh. you're just enjoying your evening and yes. how nice is that? And yeah. Oh, harkening back to a different time. At three minutes and 53 seconds, there's a sax part that builds and similar to one starts forming the end of the song. I kind of like the six minute and 13 second mark of of one. It's almost like we reach this high point and then the song kind of starts folding in upon itself.
rumbly and tense. Yeah. Yeah. There's a crazy little synth solo, too, that's very Prince-like at 4 minutes and 13 seconds, which is the first time we've heard that kind of tone on this album. It goes, like, through the 5-minute and 2-second mark. with a fun breakdown from five minutes and two seconds to the end with low piano notes and a fun little groove and just kind of a happy sounding ending. Mm-hmm. It's my impersonation <laughs> of the ending. Jazz hands. And I just made a note about that and put happy ending. I purposefully (laughs) said happy sounding ending (laughs) for that reason. Then we have three, three minutes and 16 seconds. Yep. It starts in kind of a minor key that's Mm -hmm. a little uneasy, but then this saxophone comes in and it's almost like a, a comforting friend encouraging us it's not okay right now but it will be that's kind of the feeling that i got from that oh very nice yeah it's very serenading oh guess is what i'm trying to say the sax part there Mm -hmm. it's the first ballad on the Album, if you think of it as a ballad, a ballad. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe like the Madhouse version of Slow Love, kind oh, of. Oh, well, that explains some things. It was the most dated, I thought, so far. Oh, okay. Just the way the sax is played, it sounded like the late 80s. Very, oh, okay. I don't know, the movies that came out in that time. Oh. If they had saxophones, that was kind of... Yeah, or even like sitcom theme songs. Oh, yeah. And not there's the, kind of like Not that I f- think this sounds like a sitcom no, theme song. No, no, no. But that's but... how saxes were played. Yeah, which is interesting. You never really think of, or at least I don't, think of instruments being played differently over time. But mm-hmm. there's definitely a style. Yeah. There's like some fluttery sax at one point. It just, it sounded like that time period to me. Fair enough. Yeah. I thought it was interesting that the saxophone takes the lead, but it also doesn't go through the entire song. It's clearly the lead on the first two tracks, but other instruments get their shot here, like the drums and piano. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. It wasn't all, even though the sax is the most prominent instrument, it's not. Uh, overpowering throughout the whole thing. There's this downward cascading piano and strong sax solo part at 2 minutes and 26 seconds. And then the song kind of takes off a little bit more at 2 minutes and 52 seconds. The drums come in and... Again, the song kind of winds to a close there. This seems like it's a theme throughout the first three tracks, about three quarters of the way through songs. There's this crescendo moment that builds and just before the song comes to an end. 
was that moment here. Mm-hmm. So I thought, you know, pretty little song. No yeah. harm, no foul. Then we have four. Four. F-O-U-R. The B-side to the single 13. Oh, you're getting ahead of yourself again. It was often included in live shows as part of the instrumental portion of the Ballad of Dorothy Parker, one of which we have covered. It was included on the One Night Alone live after show that we have already talked about, and four was included in the instrumental portion of the Ballad of Dorothy Parker there. Yep. So his appearance on The Tonight Show with Jay Leno uh-huh. in 2001 uh, at the 2 minute 45 second mark there. It was played live, so that was for the mass audiences to, I don't know, let it fly right over their heads because I'm sure they have no clue. What four was, and probably right. no clue what the ballad of Dorothy Parker was either. <laughs> I think the story was Jay Leno likes jazz, and so it was, uh-huh. you know, that's why that song was picked. Because why go on The Tonight Show in 2001 and play a song from 1987? Oh, because it was got... Jay Leno's favorite print song. Oh, it was his favorite print song? Oh, I think so, was oh, the ballad of Dorothy just... Parker, and that's why he chose to play it. He mm. liked jazz, so he included four gotcha. in it. I believe is the story. Okay. A little moan. I think from Vibrator. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Which is an unreleased track from the planned second Vanity 6 album, mm-hmm. which also is not mentioned on Prince Vault. Come on, Prince oh, Vault. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Five minutes and 39 seconds into Vibrator is where you can hear that moan. Prince definitely reached back into the vault for Vibrator over the years. Yeah, he used for this a lot. album and others, including uh, Come. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, I mean, he had a handy, handy set of excited moans mm-hmm. in that the can. Were varied moans in the can. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad he didn't have an album called Laxative. Oh, jeez. Um, to get back to my, uh, music scholar roots, <laughs> the melody <laughs> Sorry. from 36 seconds to 54 seconds, it's played in unison by sax and the piano, which I yeah. thought was fun. I really like that. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed them playing synchronously yeah. together. It's great. Yeah, that's that's done to perfection. Um, We get a very fast and impressive piano solo at a minute and five seconds through a minute and 20 seconds. And one of my favorite little piano parts on the entire album that's sort of off-key but isn't in a... Angela from the office, off-key kind of way. <laughs> uh-huh. Happens uh, from a minute and 25 to a minute and 30 seconds. Very fast playing and great interaction with the saxophone. I just really enjoy that part a lot. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's fast, just two minutes and 24 seconds. Yeah. Just a taste. Just a taste, and that's too bad. I could have done with more of this because I enjoy the song a lot, and the melody from it's very recognizable if you followed Prince over the years. Mm -hmm. That three-quarters of the way through the song at two minutes and four seconds where the song kind of winds down, almost breaks down as it winds to a close, Mm -hmm. I thought is that moment of... We've reached a crescendo, and now we're breaking the song down again. Which is a theme now through the first four songs. Yeah. Or a pattern, maybe not a theme. Okay, yes. Pattern. Yes. Then we have five, F-I-V-E, a minute and 18. Yep. It's its own little sort of interpretive bit here it there's a bunch of phone calls there's yeah. a drum beat behind them mm-hmm. eventually some bass and horns come in but um i went through and listened we get the bit from bob george from the black album yes operator what city please yeah and that was sped up and yeah altered to yes. be used in bob george but I wrote down all the different conversations that I could hear. Okay. Okay. Let's hear them. It's... I, and Prince Vault says the voices are unknown. I think at least some of them are Prince himself. Yeah, I'm sure. So uh, tell me what you've got, and I'll just chime in with the ones that I think are Prince. Okay. So it starts out with... It starts and ends with the same one. So we have the operator, what city please, which is kind of like almost how all these conversations start, which is an old thing that we don't really hear very much anymore. No. There's most people don't need to call 411. Nope. For information any longer. Google. That's right. So the first one starts, hello, son, what took you so long to call? Right. And I say that's Prince. You think that's Prince? I do. Hi, Mom, this is Jimbo. Mm-hmm. You mean, hey, Mom, this is Jimbo. <laughs> What's happening, dude? Mm-hmm. How you doing, sexy? Mm-hmm. Hello, how are you? I think that could be Prince, too. Hello, how are you? Uh-huh. <laughs> what do you want? Could be Prince. Uh-huh. Also, uh, it's kind of slowed down a little bit. Yeah. What can I do for you? <laughs> and yummy. Five-star restaurant, can I help you? Uh-huh. Like, five-star. That's like five-star cleaners. Yeah. Like, I think it makes me think of dry cleaning rather than oh. delicious food. Okay. <laughs> this is Mark. What can I do for you? All right. And then we get uh, another relic from a bygone era. At the tone, the time will be... Oh, yes. <laughs> Hello, you've reached Movie Phone. Thank you for calling your bank for the time and temperature. <laughs> and then, uh, bye. Yeah. Yeah, but it ends the way it starts. Hello, son. What took you so long to call? Yeah. I thought this was more of a segue than a song. Sure. You know, drum, sax, bass, and voices. I did hear at a minute and ten seconds... A little interpretation of Mary Had a Little Lamb. Oh, okay. And then it comes to an end. So um, between Prince's infatuation with shaving a haircut, two bits, and then Mary Had a Little Lamb in this song. It's kind of fun. Yeah. 
Then we have six, S-I-X. This uh, is the only single from the album. That's right. Four minutes and 28 seconds. Yep. Yep. We'll get to the B-sides Yeah. here in a minute. A B-side singular, oh. I think. Yeah. There's a remix and a B-side. Oh, well, oh, yeah. That's what I... Sorry. Okay. That was, that's my confusion. Okay. Okay. Yes. I thought this was... If you're going to pick a single from an instrumental album, which seems strange... Um, <laughs> Anyway, this is the one, I think. They made the right choice. I absolutely agree. I thought this was funky and interesting, and I kept trying to figure out if I'd heard it somewhere before. Oh, you heard it live somewhere before. Uh, Well, yes, but I was trying to figure out if it was included in other released songs that I could think of, and I kept thinking it was something off the gold experience, but it wasn't. It Mm. just would have fit there really well i think okay interesting like if prince were gonna pick a instrumental song to include that would have been it interesting yeah i wouldn't have made that connection but that doesn't mean it's incorrect well because i kept trying to think is it sound like endorphin machine or we march or it had similar flavor but it wasn't in either of those that i could find yeah no yeah no no. I thought this had the most Prince 80 sounding synths, synthesizers of the entire album to okay. me. Had a little bit of the tenor saxophone throughout it too, especially at 3 minutes and 34 seconds. Harkened me back to girls and boys to a degree. And as we discussed on our last episode where we covered the Miles Davis New Year's Eve concert, or we could say the New Year's Eve concert in which Miles Davis made a very brief appearance. <laughs> um, he would Prince would work this into a number of It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night performances by singing, you know, we got a brand new dance, ain't talking about the house quake, no, talking about the six, and then they would play this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and that would continue through uh, his career during the Jam of the Year tour in 1996 through 1997. It was worked into the end of Get Your Groove On. Without a six call out, but he would just start playing it towards the end of Get Your Groove On, which is where we heard it at the Jam of the Year tour we saw in mm-hmm. San Antonio. And probably Austin. Yep. We saw that one twice. Yes, we did. I really loved how they, the instruments kind of alternated between playing in tandem with one another. Okay. With the keys and the saxophone. And then complementing one another. Mm -hmm. Like sometimes they played the same notes at the same time and sometimes they played alternating and complimenting one another and I thought it was really successful. Mm-hmm. 
I thought if there's any song off this album that I could hear on the radio, which I never did hear on the radio, this would be the one for sure. Yeah. Sure. It ends so abruptly. Yeah. It's just like, boom, done. Yep. Which is what makes it fun. Yeah. You know what? No fade outs on this album. That's fine. Not a single one. (laughs) I have no complaints about that. I love that. Then we have seven, S-E-V-E-N, since I spelled all the other letters. (laughs) All the other. Uh, They All the other words. Yeah. Yeah. Titles. Four minutes and ten seconds. This is what made me, makes me real sad about having never owned this on CD back when we listened to music on CDs. Uh Uh-huh. Was like you'd never have to worry about track numbers and names. They're like built in. They're baked into the CD. <laughs> I never got to experience that. And that's mm-hmm. sad. It is sad. Yeah. Because I think I got this on a copy on cassette when I was a teenager. Okay. And of course, that's just not the same. Right. No. It's... And then eventually got a CD burned for me and imported it into iTunes. And uh-huh. finally got to hear it in CD quality. Uh-huh. Uh, we get to hear more of uh, Vandalady's... Vandalady's. Van <laughs> <laughs> so dumb. You mean Art Vandalady's? <laughs> <laughs> I'm putting that at the end. Oh, you want to be my latex salesman. <laughs> then we get to hear more of Vanity's titillating hardware. Ooh, yeah. Her, her, more from her unreleased vibrator. Correct. In fact, I found a link to this online and I had to click the, yes, I understand this may contain sensitive material because of the moans. For the song seven? Uh Uh-huh. Oh, interesting. All right. There's these falling notes that kind of Uh give it this classic sound. And there's like kind of some minor key sounds that are happening and it really made it feel like an action sequence in an old spy movie i totally agree although i described it as an underwater level from super mario brothers oh there you go yeah i was like oh i'm gonna die a hundred times here I'm still going to come back and listen to it again. Uh, see, and I thought it sounded like a black and white movie mm-hmm. with a man smoking and driving a beautiful car. Oh, okay. But rapidly through a mountain or on a oh, mountain road. Through a mountain. Maybe not That's through sad. a mountain. <laughs> Maybe like on He's a mountain gonna road. going to die a lot of times too. <laughs> Don't try uh, no, to drive through mountains. <laughs> That's why they put roads around them. Oh, I am. There's a lot of drums. Yeah, like two minutes and 14 seconds. Yeah. And I was they, like, I hope Sheila E is taking notice here because uh, <laughs> dude can play. Yeah. I thought those drums really remind you that they're driving this action sequence, yeah. by the way. Yeah. You just think it's the horns and the piano no no, no it's the you've drums been, you've been tricked it's just the same way that prince tricked eric Lee into <laughs> thinking he was writing songs uh-huh he's tricked us into listening to an album that sounds like an eric leeds album but it is 
90% a Prince album. In fact, I forgot to mention this when we talked about that article, that Prince had already talked to Warner Brothers, and they were on board before he brought Eric Leeds Oh, I had not realized that. He talked to Warner Brothers about releasing a jazz album? Uh-huh. Under, uh, with Eric Leeds, uh. under a name that didn't include Prince. Mm. He did all that before he brought Eric Leeds into the studio. Interesting. Wow, because that's coming off kind of a theatrical financial disaster. Uh-huh. So maybe that's why they were okay, on board. Yeah. So we can get we can let Prince have an outlet and not oversaturate the market with Prince music because mm-hmm. he's behind the scenes. And we get this like kind of I imagine the good guy, our hero in this fictional spy thriller. Okay. You know. One got the girl, saved the world, whatever he did. Because it's all light and happy. Towards the end. Yeah. Agree completely. Yeah. Or Mario got to the uh-huh. end. And That's right. Mario. There's the princess the is in another castle. <laughs> And then that's why you can hear Mario at the beginning of the next song going, home, home. <laughs> yeah. Home, home, home. Beginning of eight, E-I-G-H-T, yeah. 10 right. minutes and six seconds. Yep. Yeah, it's weird, like, synth sample of a partial word. I thought that it, again, sounds a little like Prince. Uh-huh. Although I dropped it into Audacity myself and put it at different speeds, and it, I can't identify at what speed it sounds more like Prince, but I just spelled how I hear the sample is H-U-M-P-H. Home. 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 Okay. Yeah. It sounds like part of a word to me, but I don't know what the word is. Oh. I don't know. Home back way. <laughs> it's a chomp. Goose humps. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. Uh, oh, man. Throughout this whole album, though, listening to it and studying it more closely for the podcast, I've been thinking, where is this flute playing that uh-huh. uh, Prince Vault talks about? Because I hadn't listened to it in a while. And, oh, it's right here at 18 seconds. Yep. is flutatious it joins in it's really pretty it is um this is a little more more straight instrumental and a little less jazz to me oh okay i thought it didn't feel quite as i don't know jazz has a different feeling okay then it doesn't have those kind of improv drums it's very it's the second what i'd label as the second ballad on the album mm, very easy mm-hmm. does it yeah. Um, it's at minimum a slow mid-tempo song. Yep. Yeah. Those underlying synths and pads that you can hear are also used at the beginning of You Got the Look and Coco Boys. Oh, okay. And also Nine from the second Madhouse album that we'll talk about in a future episode. But yeah, just an easygoing, I want to say easy, li- easy listening-ish kind of song. Yeah, I, I would say that's kind of fair. At least through like six minutes and 30 seconds when it picks up a little bit. And I mean, you've waited a while for a payoff here. Well, and that's kind of what I said is it's like once you finally get to 640 and this is suddenly changes a little. I'm like, 
I wish it had gotten there a little sooner. Now, there were interesting things. There was some bass guitar. There was some xylophone. And harp synths that were kind of fun. Yep. Some like little spacey sounds. Which makes it sound like there's a lot going on, but it, I mean, those are... It's all very subtle. It's all yeah. very subtle. I'm kind of reaching to find those things. Sure. Because it's... They're there. They're but there, yeah, but... They're buried. Things that make you go... home. <laughs> So, yeah, the song is 10 minutes and 6 seconds, but it really ends at 7 minutes and 57 seconds, and then you get, like, two full minutes of the synth pad effect mentioned earlier for your listening pleasure until it ends. Yeah, I really felt like the intro bordered on overlong a little bit, Yep. and then the outro really, like, crossed a line. Correct. That that kind of self-indulgence is... A lot more forgivable in a live setting. Yeah. And on an album, I think it's a little... Filler? It's a little wearing okay. on the listener. I agree. Yeah. I was... I mean, I listened to it all the way through maybe twice. Okay. And then every other time I got to the end, you know, the eight minute mark, I was like, okay, next song. Uh-huh. Which is... Six... End of the, the world, world mix. So this was on the single for six, mm-hmm. essentially a remix mm-hmm. of the track, um, and a little longer, six minutes and 32 seconds. Uh, I find it odd that this does not have its own page on Prince Vault. Yeah. I don't know why, because it's a completely separate track. Oh, I thought it was similar to the... Well, it is, I mean, but it's a remix that's got completely different parts and well, other samples and... Yeah. I mean, that's why it's called Prince Vault. It's not, you know, Prince Safety Deposit Box. <laughs> <laughs> it's expansive, the authority, but um, does not have a dedicated page to this remix. Yeah. Prince reaching back into the vault for that vanity Here I Come sample at the beginning at um, like 34 seconds. <laughs> like everything from the album version of the song just amped up a notch yeah and there's like these machine sounds Mm -hmm. that you hear and it reminded me a lot of things we heard in 1999 okay and off of the vault tracks from the 1999 super deluxe there were these like where in the song was like 13 seconds is where it started also heard it like five minutes and 20 seconds where it's almost kind of like grinding machine sounds in the background Ah, okay and it's subtle but it reminded me a lot of that kind of mechanical sound that we heard quite a bit of in 1999 interesting very interesting i wanted to point out this deep drum sound effect at three minutes and 30 seconds like this boom mm-hmm. sound that you can also hear in it's going to be a beautiful night from the concert film at six minutes and 32 seconds after prince does his squirrel meat rap okay 
You can also hear it at the beginning of Two Nigs for Two Nigs United for West Compton behind mm-hmm. the conversations that are going on, and it's the beat of Housequake. But it's that same sound effect. And you can hear it in super funky Califragisexy after he says slamming at four minutes and 45 seconds. So. Okay. Definitely an of the era sound effect that creeps back into the song. Cool. I guess it's the end of the world mix because of the machine guns at four minutes and six seconds, uh-huh. which are... to the ones used in Bob George? Yes. I kind of thought the first one kind of sounded like a thunder drum to me. And then as we get a little further in, you realize it's a machine gun. Yeah, sped up and slowed down. Mm -hmm. Did you hear the bizarre I sure did. Right at four minutes and... 23 seconds? Yep. Yep, Yep. Uh, Frank Zappa's bizarre relationship. We also heard that in All My Dreams. Yep. Yep. Also heard it in Bob George mm-hmm. and Love Sexy and Christopher Tracy's Parade. And you also hear it in Nine on the next Madhouse album, too. Very cool. Uh, there's some uh, anxiety producing horns, like at four and a half minutes. Oh, okay. They're a little like anxious feeling Mm -hmm. and then they're followed by these um, interesting keys that are a little bit dated yeah i mean it was 34 years ago well exactly sure but i thought like if you were in a club and this song came on sure man it's very uh danceable more funky than the more edgy i guess than the album version Mm mm-hmm that's fair. And did you see the note on Prince Vault that the song is listed as the number eight, the number eight end of the world mix on the label of the US 12 inch? Oh no. In error. And it's listed as five minutes and 45 seconds in length on the label of the UK version of the 12 inch. Huh. In error. So there were different mistakes on uh, two different issues of the 12 inch. I mean, there's nothing more Prince like. <laughs> Than that, to have a song you love, brilliantly recorded, uh, wonderful listen, and just be yeah. surrounded by whoops-a-daisies. <laughs> then we have the final song we're going to talk about today, the B-side to six, six and a half. I love the numbering. Yeah. Six and a half. It's yeah, it's great. super fun. Love it. Two minutes, 39 seconds. Yes. Very uh, short. Yeah, very short. Similar styles of music, but they're not really related other than their numbering system. Yep. Yeah, yeah totally. Mm-hmm. So this one is the one that falls outside of that in recording range that we talked about at the top of the show. This rec- was recorded on October 8th, 1986 at Sunset Sound in Hollywood. And it was recorded during the post-production work they were doing for this album on the day after disbanding the revolution, the revolution and recording the outtake telepathy, mm-hmm. which we're actually going to talk about in a future episode. And also the same day that they recorded nine, but not the nine that you hear on Madhouse 16. It's a different track oh. that still remains unreleased. And it was three days before recording Violet Blue, huh. 
uh, here, which we have talked about uh-huh. on the Jill Jones album and also on Sign of the Times Super Deluxe. It bees like that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Shares a lot in common with Violet Blue. Yep. Includes some trumpet by Atlanta Bliss. Yeah, the only Madhouse track to do that. Mm-hmm. And it's the only Madhouse track entirely written by Eric Leeds. Yep. Uh, I can't believe I didn't see this noted anywhere, but the melody or the lead line from the song is very similar to what's played on It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night when Prince calls out, kick some ass. Okay. It's not identical, but it's very similar and also similar to what you hear in uh, the horn line from Rock Hard in a Funky Place from the Black Album. And also slowed down during a part of I Could Never Take the Place of Your Man in the concert film. Lots of similarities between uh, the lead lines there. It's yeah. just fun things. It is. Yeah, the parts that, I'm, that I mentioned are um, in six and a half to 18 seconds. Listen to that, and then listen to It's Gonna Be a Beautiful Night from Disc 8, live in Utrecht, 9 minutes and 10 seconds to 9 minutes and 34 seconds. Get some then head over to the Black Album and listen to Rock Hard in a Funky Place, 39 seconds to 57 seconds. jump back over to the concert film for sign of the times i can never take the place of your man from seven minutes 54 seconds to eight minutes and 17 seconds i think that you will agree there are similarities so prince didn't write it but he liked it Liked it enough to Used work it. it in a bunch of places. Yeah. Yep. There's some cool bass, guitar, mm-hmm. some funny froggy sorts of sounds, I thought. <laughs> uh, froggy? <laughs> they kind of sound like frogs to me a little Where? bit. Where? Where are the At frogs? 43 seconds. There's huh. like little, like. Wow. I don't know. Kind of froggy sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Very classic sounding sax. Uh huh. Another abrupt ending. Yes. Yeah. It's I no mean, like gradual ending, but I guess when you only have two minutes and 39 seconds. Yeah, we're out. Peace. Yeah. All right. That's it. Madhouse. That's the first Madhouse album. Oh, we love the. Uh huh. I was, I was actually very pleasantly surprised that I could, like, could find things to say and talk about and come up with and yeah. maybe not sound like a complete idiot. Oh, we got like an hour-long podcast out I know, of it. I know. So now is the time for us to choose some things. Okay. All right. We're going to choose three things. The time capsule, something that exemplifies the time at which the material was recorded or when it was released, which yep. is basically the same time. Uh, the C... The low point, the thing that we like 
the least. Yep. And the mountain, our high point, the thing that spoke to us the most. These are my dumb rules, so I go first. Okay. Uh, the time capsule, for me, it was three with that super oh, yeah. dated sounding saxophone. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, it really kind of felt like a m- movie montage of somebody walking in the rain contemplatively. Uh, That's what I thought of when I heard this this saxophone part in yeah. three was somebody walking in the rain, you know, maybe the little intercuts of the mistakes they'd made throughout the movie and they're going to make a decision to change their ways. Not like movie making mistakes. You mean the characters' the flaws? Ca- yes, and, yeah. the, the mistakes that the movie, the yeah, that yeah. the characters made. And they're going to go fix them. Yeah, because yeah. the finally sax apologize told them to. or chase yeah. after the their their dream partner. That's right. Very good. Exactly. What's yours? Um, mine is actually six into the world mix with the bizarre sample and the gun sound effects. I thought it dates it to. 86, 87, easily with Bob George and the many other songs that those samples uh, and sound effects are heard used in between 1986 and 1988. And that was a that was a, a well that was visited many times by mm-hmm. by Prince. Very cool. All right, the C for me uh, was eight. Okay, because uh, it could use some editing. I think it could have been a really strong track had it been condensed a little bit mm-hmm. less would have been more in this case yeah well i'm going with eight too all I right mean, it's the title track even though titles really don't mean much on this album <laughs> it's just so long and the you know even the extra two minutes at the end didn't bother me as much as the repeated hum sample that started uh-huh. to grate on me after two three minutes and i mean it lasted for seven minutes and it was almost like you know, I'm trying to listen to this closely, and it just started to get in the way and get on my nerves. It's the only thing you could hear. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. unhear it. I couldn't push it into back into the song where it is in the mix, which is there, but not you know in your face. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't not hear it every time it happened. Yeah, and it happens like every second. Yeah. So that's a lot of seconds. That's seven times seven minutes times sixty uh-huh. seconds is four hundred and twenty seconds. Uh-huh. Uh, what are there four hundred humps in this song? <laughs> I got gotcha you after the first. That's a lot 20. of camels. It, it is. It's a lot of humpback whales. <laughs> All right, and then the mountain—the thing that we like the most. Yeah. Uh, I just really love the groove in six. Yep. Yeah. It was. Bam, 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 bam. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I love to it's sing along so, with it. It's so good. It's fun. It's yeah. not annoying. It's yep. funky, but jazzy, but mm-hmm. a little bit of rock and roll. It's great. Yeah. Uh, six was the runner-up for me, along oh, with four. Okay. I also loved four mm-hmm. a lot. I forgot how much I love four. Um, I chose six into the world mix oh, as okay. not just the time capsule, but also my mountain. I just love... All the cool things it shares with so many other songs, many of which we covered already in this podcast. And yeah, just one of the songs on the album that's easiest to sing along with, even though there's nothing to sing. Yeah, exactly. You can kind of hum. Yes, hum. Yeah. Not hum, hum, <laughs> but hum. 
What are we going to talk about next time, Josh? Next time, uh, I have curated about 20 other outtakes and songs that were either given away to someone else to cover. So we're going to break up the Madhouse albums with some songs with actual lyrics. Um, we're going to take Fun. a stab at probably about half of these. Okay. Uh, of the 20, because that would be kind of insane. I will save which songs exactly we will cover until uh, the next episode. Mainly because um, I haven't chosen them just yet. <laughs> I have a list. I haven't picked them, but I do have a list. Wow. So I got to break out the eeny, meeny, miny, mo machine. And uh, then we'll be back in a couple weeks with some surprises. Yeah, it'll be good fun. And of course, you know, I'll always try and find links to all of those songs so that you'll be able to listen to them as well once. Josh has determined which ones we are listening to. Until next time, do rate and review because it does help us get found. Anywhere you'd like to do that is just fine, just so long as you have good things to say. If you don't have good things to say, do send me an email and let me know what your beef is. Nah, and uh, go to hell. I'll, ta- <laughs> I'll take it under advisement and uh, tell a friend because it's way more fun when you can listen with a friend you have a purple friend or somebody you think would really like Prince music, this is a fun way to get them started, I think. Maybe start with an album not quite so deep as Madhouse. But, uh, you know, hearing a critical and deep discussion can sometimes be the thing that ignites somebody. So, you know, cheers with a friend. And until next time, happy purple listening. Thanks for joining us. Then we get to hear more of. <laughs> Sorry. Then we get to hear more of Vanity. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> oh, I'll get it right this time. When someone, when someone calls the podcast, you got to answer. Art Vandalady. Art Vandalady. Vandalating. No, no, you're way off. <laughs>